podcast family. I am so happy that you are listening today. Welcome to the podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome. We talk about all things women, sex, Jesus, all the stuff, all the stuff. Nothing is off limits. We always talk about real, honest, vulnerable things. So thank you so much for joining the podcast. Um, Today, I am so honored, like seriously so honored and excited to have the guest on that we have. Her name is Evelyn James. Evelyn, say hi. Hi. I'm so glad to be here. It's going to be fun. It is going to be so good. Evelyn, I let me, I want to give the backstory on like how I found you. So I found Evelyn through um, Susie Holman. She had like posted a story of hers and I clicked on her profile and I was like, oh my God, like this is what I am looking for. This is who I needed when I was going through my porn journey so much. Like my experience with my husband being addicted to porn, like I needed this profile and this person and this knowledge and like I I needed this more than anything in the world. And so I was so excited when I found you. Like it, I I can't stop watching. I can't stop listening. I can't stop learning like everything about um, betrayal and relationships and so much more. And so I, guys, when I was thinking about recording another podcast about porn, because if you've listened to my podcast before, you know that my husband Thomas and I have shared our story with porn and our experience with it. Um, and I can link that episode in the note or link that episode in episode notes, but I wanted to talk about it again. And I was like, I have to have Evelyn on to talk about it because there's no one better to talk about this. So thank Evelyn, you. thank you for being here. I'm so honored to have you on. Like, I seriously can't wait to talk about all this stuff. We got I'm so excited to be here. So, so give fun. us a little background about you. Who are you? What do you do? Just like big picture okay. about yourself. For sure. Um, I'm Evelyn. It's actually my middle name, but that's what I go by forever. That's just okay. what, it, what it is. Um, but I'm a mom of four who homeschools and who's a life coach. I'm a certified life and executive coach. But before getting into life coaching, I walked through this ridiculous journey of my husband's pornography addiction. Um, I actually found out on our honeymoon, which sucked. Like, you know, good old, like, yay, first time having sex. Oh, just kidding. I'm addicted to porn. Um, so that sucked. Um, and then just this like crap hole of a journey as we walked through all of that on our own, which was just not, it was not great. And like you said, like walking through that and not really having anybody, I'm really honored that you think that I'm like an account to follow for those who are going through that. I mean, I didn't have it either. And I, I'm hoping to be that for people because it's really lonely, right? Walking through that is really, really hard. And um, anyway, so I've been, I started doing uh, group coaching uh, with women walking through the same thing and betrayal recovery. And then eventually I started becoming a life coach. Um, and I kind of put off talking about porn for as long as I possibly could. I felt the nudge actually quite a few months ago and just refused to do it. I was like, I'm not, I'm not really ready. I don't, I don't know. And then I really felt like the kick in my pants and uh, jumped in there. So that was probably actually the day that you saw it was probably the first day I jumped in, which is crazy. But yeah, it's really taken off. Like, yeah, off. if guys, she does these Q and A's all the time. And I mean, it's just like, I'm scrolling for days. Like people mm-hmm. need this. And I mean that mm-hmm. in a good way, like scrolling, like what, yeah. like uh, paying attention to these Q and A's and reading them and learning. And you do more than that, but it's just like, people need it. Like it's there and they're asking questions and they just need someone to say like me too. And they also need help. Like, and they need yeah, to for sure what to do about it. So yeah. I have people 
I have people going back in my saved highlights because I, some of them still have like a question box in them mm-hmm. and people are still putting new questions into the boxes in my saved highlights, wow. which is just like, I can't, I can't get through it fast enough, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, that's a great problem to have. Um, I had somebody who messaged me and was like, so I've been listening to maybe about two hours of your content. And I was like, oh my goodness, didn't realize I had that much already. That's a lot. When you think about 15 seconds at a time. You're like, wait, how did I get the two hours? I don't even understand. It's like, it's only been like two weeks at that point. I was like, that's a lot. But that's what happens, right? When you're answering all the questions. Um, And she's like, I'm looking for specific things and I was like oh yeah that's that's back even further (laughs) so there's a lot there so hopefully I can answer it I'm trying to go back and make sure I can answer them more than once for some people but it is a lot and specifically about what you do with that kind of stuff on Instagram is that um you're very detailed in your answer you're not just like porn is bad because it's cheating you're like no here's a b c d e f g like all the reasons, all the research that went into it is, was like huge for me. And I also think that's like huge for people who are analytical. They need to like, see like the actual like research and information, how it's harmful. And so instead of just being like, yeah, it's bad. You're like, no, no, no. Let me, let me explain to you how the hurt and the trust and all of this is like, like, Mm -hmm. it's just so detailed out, which I think is so important. Um, I think it's easy for us to think of it as like, uh, like, especially for Christians where it's like, okay, it's either sin or it isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people are like, well, it's a gray area and you know, that's fine. But for not non-Christians, mm-hmm. I've had many conversations with non-Christians who are like hurting from porn and are kind of trapped in this thing where they're like, but I'm supposed to be okay with it, mm-hmm. but I'm not, right. I'm hurt, right? This I'm, I'm saying I'm okay with it. I'm, you know, I've given him porn. I've given him tools to use while he watches it, like things like that. And she's like, but I'm hurting. Mm. Like, it's just this, sadly, it's just this cycle that they're trapped in and and you're trapped in it with them and it's just devastating. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I've had, I have people from all walks of different parts of life. And I think it's pretty fantastic to be able to speak into that. It's, I mean, it's hard and kind of weird to talk about on the internet, but it's great. And I'm honored to do it. So that you're the one doing it. Um, So one thing that I like to ask all of my guests just to get to know you a little bit better, like a fun fact kind of thing. So what is one thing that you love? And I'll share mine at the Mm -hmm. end. (laughs) I love actually doing projects and like completing fun projects with our family. We've renovated DIYer. We are, but sadly we did a lot of our renovations when I had babies. So it was really hard to like yeah. do both. Um, last summer we renovated a trailer, which was so much fun. Cause I basically did it all. Like I did all the decorative stuff myself. I helped with a lot of the like building things and stuff like that. Um, so it was really fun to get my hands like actually more in there because our kids are old enough to help now. So we do a lot of project projects and fun things like that. I love getting like a whole completed project. I love that. Oh, that is awesome. That's so fun. I love that. Like fun fact. And what is one thing you like strongly dislike or maybe even hate? Like oh, <laughs> I made like a list, but I, I, no, no, I won't go into my list. Um, but I really, really hate people who walk slow. Mm, like we got a place to be. Let's go. We got to go there. <laughs> my husband walks really slow. Oh, I've learned I can, I can slow it down, uh-huh. but oh my goodness. I'm like, yeah, 
Yeah. Walk a little faster, move your feet. He's got long legs. He's six foot four. Oh my my husband's six foot four. Yeah. He's a tall guy, but he walks so stinking you slow. You fast because his like legs are long. So you can walk faster. I'm like, do you just take little baby steps? Like, what are you doing? I don't get it. I don't get it. It makes me crazy. So that is- I walk fast and I have tiny little legs. So, okay. <laughs> I love those. Okay. One thing that I love and, um, it's reintroduced it into my life again. I'm making this a big deal. It's not. I really love goldfish, which is such like it's like the cracker or the animal. The cracker. <laughs> okay. Which is like so dumb. But when I was thinking about like what do I love? I'm like, I really love goldfish right now. We are about to get like really bad snow here in Colorado this weekend, like okay. two feet of snow where I live. And I've wow. never experienced that much snow. And so we went to the store to get some stuff and I was like, what do I need? Goldfish. And so I've been eating like, like a child eating all of this goldfish and it's like bringing back to my childhood because I used to eat it all the time. And I was like, you know what? So like, like a guilty pleasure, but it's what I'm loving right now is goldfish so do you, crackers. Do the plain ones? Oh, sorry. Do you do the plain ones or do you do like the plain ones? Like, okay. Just, simple, like OG goldfish. <laughs> I love a child, but it's fun. That's okay. That's super cool. Thank you. Then one thing I strongly dislike right now is Instagram and uh, specifically their reels because they want me to make reels, but Mm -hmm. the actual like app making the reels is like glitchy all the time. Like they don't make it easy. And if they want me to make them, then I want them, then they need to make it easier. They need Mm -hmm. it to not glitch on me every five seconds and show like a line of text that's supposed to not be there, but it's kind of there. It's totally so frustrating. I'm like, you want me to make you make reels, then you need to make mm-hmm. it here. And I know there's I just do mine on TikTok. Yes, I was about to say, and then download it and put it on reels. No, I need to mm-hmm. do that because I know there's other ways to do it. It's easier, but I'm like, no, Instagram. If you want me to do it, I'm gonna use your thing, mm-hmm. and they're just not making it easy at all. And so definitely not. <laughs> frustrated by them right now because <laughs> I made a bunch today and it took me way much longer than it should have because totally. it. Okay. So do you mind, uh, starting by sharing like your story with porn, your experience with porn, all of that, like how you basically mm-hmm. got to sharing about porn today? <laughs> For sure. Um, so I grew up in, uh, I was going to say in a, in a Christian household. Um, I'm going to put air quotes around that Christian household, yes. um, very toxic and damaging. Um, but I remember my very first time ever seeing pornography I downloaded or not downloaded. Okay. You're younger than I am. We had to put in a VHS tape and record the shows that we wanted onto a VHS tape to watch them. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I'm like, does everybody know a VH? I'm just teasing. I for sure you do. Okay. (laughs) So I had recorded this like Disney show. I was probably like 11 and I recorded a Disney movie that I'd never seen and then went to bed. Mm -hmm. So the next day when I came down to watch it, the VHS tape, I like press play, got ready, went to watch my movie and it clicked out of Disney, uh-huh. typed in a passcode and went to porn. Oh my gosh. And my first thought was, oh my goodness, someone else is controlling our satellite. Right. Yeah. Which I mean, that's not really likely. Right. It's probably 
one of my parents or right. I mean, who knows yeah, yeah. anyway. Uh, but that was my first thought. And I remember stopping it and running to go give it to my mom and being like, Oh my goodness, someone right. has access to our TV. Yeah. <laughs> what is hacking into our internet? Yeah. That was my, that was my belief is that there was no way because my parents were Christian parents. Right. There was no way that was happening. Um, so I just really believe that Christian men didn't do that. And then my, we had never really had those conversations. My, my boyfriend and I, he was my first boyfriend. Mm. Um, just had never really, I mean, we got married when I was 19. Mm. Um, and so then we got married, we were engaged for two months, got married, went on our honeymoon in Hawaii. And I went to go send an email and I found porn like mm. so much, like just this, like never ending scroll of like, what are these websites? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember just being floored because Christian men didn't do that. Right. Like I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly believed Christian men don't do that. Mm-hmm. And I was just in shock and completely betrayed. I think he kind of like tried to smooth it out and being like, well, I lend my computer to people and like things like that. Like, you know, the normal cover it up, like right. I'll say yes to a little bit, but also I had this belief that then it was never going to happen again because now we're married. Right. So he doesn't need porn. I'm here. Yeah. Yep. Now we're having sex, right? Like we saved our, like we Mm -hmm. saved sex for marriage. Um, first time for both of us, which I mean, now we're on our honeymoon and finding this. And I was like, okay, it'll be fine. He'll never do it again. All fine. Mm -hmm. I was wrong. Mm -hmm. He got better at hiding it. Um, and I, you know, just was gullible and just believed it wouldn't be a problem and didn't really understand how deep it went. Mm -hmm. Um, and then as we had kids, like, then I felt guilty and I was like, okay, how much of this is okay? Like, where's the line here? Is it like, I didn't like it. I felt horrible that he was using something else and not having sex with me. But then I was like, okay, well, I I'm not able to, or willing to have sex as much as he wants to have sex. So should I provide him with something else? Should I allow this? Where's the line there? Um, and then actually I even made like a sexy album. Mm. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because I was like, okay, yeah. well, I mean, yeah. it's me. Right. I'd rather it be me than someone else. But then it was like, okay, but this is pretend me, mm. right. It's not actually me. This is pretend me. And I would rather you pursue me, yeah. not pretend me. Mm. So there was that kind of like, disconnect there and as we kind of we just it was so muddy and murky and like working our way through it was just so drawn out and painful um and then he yeah he stopped watching porn I don't even know how long ago um and it was more of that like okay well I have to I have to have sex with him Mm -hmm. so that he doesn't watch porn so if I was leaving for the weekend or whatever I had to have sex like make sure I did so that right. he didn't watch porn. And then he still would. Cause it wasn't about that anyway. Right. Like you could, was that's not how it worked. Yes. Definitely a deeper issue. Um, so it just kind of perpetuated that for a long time. Eventually I was like, you know what? No, I did go through a long period where I was like, anytime he wants it, I will give it to him, mm. which is not recommended. Right. I don't think that's a healthy thing to do. No. <laughs> right. I, I know that a lot of Christian people are like, that's what we should do. I disagree. I also disagree. I talk about that all the time. <laughs> yeah. It's so damaging, right? Like that's not, that's not a healthy relationship. That's right. you being used and that's not right. something that is right. okay. I mean, I've, 
I'm not a fan of the every man's battle book. I know that a lot of Christian people are, mm-hmm. I'm not, um, it's companion book calls women sexual receptacles to mm-hmm. use when your temperature is rising. I'm like, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. no, yeah. no hard, hard pass. Right. Um, anyway, so we just kind of went through this long journey of figuring out where the line was mm-hmm. and what we thought was okay. And wasn't, um, which I mean, spoiler was not porn. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, Hey, uh, no, we actually want to have a relationship. We want to both choose to have sex with each other. We want to both be intimate and loving and trustworthy with each other. And anything other than that is not what we want. Right. But it took us a long time to get there. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, we did a lot of the like recovery work together. Like for him, we did a lot of it together, which maybe wasn't the greatest. Again, I don't really recommend that. Um, I got really clinical with how I approached him because I didn't know what else to do. I was, it was just so painful. Um, and I did a lot of the recovery work for myself alone Mm. and was also dealing with like the trauma of like kind of, well, we could say leaving my family (laughs) of Mm -hmm. origin. Um, but really it was trying to set up boundaries and then they decided that I'm not a part of the family anymore, Mm. which is okay. No, it's much better. (laughs) this is this is healthy me this is good um but yeah but dealing with all of that and realizing that the home I grew up in was actually very emotionally abusive Mm. all of that was happening at the same time so that was traumatic and difficult but also really really empowering to walk through and come out on the other side of it but it it was what made me say wait I don't want this from them Mm -hmm. I shouldn't be getting it from you Mm. right because a lot of the side effects of pornography addiction is emotional abuse. And I think right. that that's really hard for people to acknowledge, right. but it's a part of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was all a part of the crazy journey. And we eventually did, um, we both led groups together, um, well, separate, but together right, at right. the same time for a couple of years and worked through all of that. And the, it was funny because the booklet stuff that we did in those groups, mm-hmm. we had already done separate. Like before the groups, we were already working through all of that just together, trying to figure out the problems. And then it was like, oh, it's kind of neat that that's what God walked us through before ever actually touching a workbook. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You got to, you were like processing that beforehand. Mm -hmm. And so then when you got to do it with people, you were able to really like dive in and hear other people's experiences, but have that like knowledge beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. It was really neat to, to see that, like we'd already, already walked it, which was kind of empowering because we were both like how are we even leading these groups this is insane yeah to them being like oh but we've actually done this before we do know what this is i know i know how this works like i've done this yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. so pretty cool yeah well thank you for sharing your story and experience and like i think it's our stories are so huge and important because we can actually say like yeah me too like Mm -hmm. Yep. Me too. Me too. And, and you're, um, when you first found porn and you said you have thought like Christian men don't do this, mm-hmm. that like is every woman's belief, like, especially in the Christian, in the Christian world, like, Oh, if you're a Christian, of course you don't do this. Don't they like teach you at like during, during church not to watch porn? Well, of course they don't. Cause they just know that's wrong and know that's bad, but that's not true. That's like not the case at all. Right. And I think so many women can relate to that of like, well, of course that's like, they don't do that. Like you just don't even think to even have even ask. Cause it's yeah. like, of course it's not happening. So mm-hmm. uh, I just think it's, a, it's pretty neat to hear my husband's side of like, 
they did talk about porn like in youth group and stuff. They, but it was more of just the, like, this is really hard. Don't do it. (laughs) Cool. Cause probably the youth pastor was doing it too. Um, right. Like, so you're not really held accountable. You're not really learning to not do it. You're just being told, don't do it. It's bad. Right. And then if you are doing it, they're going to shame you for it. And like, which shame just fuels it. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's and there's always some like root to the porn addiction and that's mm-hmm. just coming out too and they don't talk about that either but you do you think mm-hmm. they do and so you're that's yeah. why like, well of course that doesn't happen mm-hmm. uh, but unfortunately that's just not the case but hopefully yeah. that is changing in the world mm-hmm. now as we're people yeah. like you are talking about it like thank you it is, it is gonna change the world um so let's get into some questions. But before we do that, I want to address people real quick. If you are listening to this episode and you are a female woman who's like, but I'm addicted to porn. We ha- I have a whole episode about that for you. Um, another woman has been on to share her story and I'll link that in the episode notes. Um, I just try to include everybody in this because women absolutely have a porn addictions as well. But yeah. this episode specifically, we are talking about um, like recovery from the spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, like or girlfriend, fiance's like our perspectives of it and how we can um heal and trust our partners again and all that so this is from the recovery from betrayal part of it um but if you are listening to this and you're like i want to feel less alone because i've watched it before and how can i overcome that that will be linked in the episode notes and i think that episode is called women watch porn or women struggle with porn too so i'll link that in the episode notes but we're talking today about recovery from betrayal from the spouse girlfriend fiance perspective let's dive into it. Um, I think when I was thinking about like questions and like, how do we even start this is like, I feel like you probably get this the most. And I think I saw it the most when I was looking through your stuff is like, how do I trust him again? That is like the most common question that I have gotten from, from other women and even myself, like, how do I even begin to like trust again like what does that look like um and how do I like overcome the like fear that he's going to relapse because I feel like that also goes into trust mm-hmm. is like that fear and that trust of like because it's it's heartbreaking and I view it and I think you do as well like a form of cheating like it is mm-hmm. cheating because you are having a bodily or just mental or response to another woman like or another person so it is cheating so how how do we as like spouses and partners recover from that? I know that's like a big question. <laughs> what is some ways that we can do that and like recover and learn to, to trust again? For sure. I first want to address, I do um, believe that Jesus kind of changes the line for us. I mean, he calls out that you've heard it said um, not to commit adultery, but I say even a man who looks lustfully at a woman has committed adultery in his heart. So yeah. we know that the line isn't just, you know, physical Um, relationship with someone, he moved the line and said, it's not just that it's lust in your heart. So it's not the physical act of cheating that is adultery. Mm -hmm. It's lust. So Mm -hmm. I think that that's a a really important thing when we're facing pornography and whether or not it's, you know, sinful or a problem. And I think science covers so much showing how big of a problem this actually is. Um, But as we face it, I mean, it, it really does come with this huge layer of betrayal. Mm. And I think that's part of why trusting again is so hard is the betrayal is so deeply rooted. It's not just the porn. Um, it's all of the, the double living that happens with the porn addiction. Mm. Um, so it's, 
it can be very difficult to face because you're not just facing the porn. It's right. never just the porn. Um, so a lot of what I talk about is rebuilding that trust and having them show a consistent intentional effort to be moving forward. Um, someone who is actively in like relapse, that's, that's not a safe person. You're never going to trust them again if they're actively relapsing and not even feeling bad about it or not trying to change. Right. Um, and you'll be able to see that they're in active relapse by their denial that it's an issue, right? Normally that is part of it. Um, their defensiveness, you'll notice that, um, a lot of those behaviors of them living that double life again, or secrecy and hiding their shame and hiding their, their problems. That's all part of active relapse. And I think it's really important to note because I think a lot of us are like, okay, we're moving forward. I can trust him again, but then he relapses. And it's like, okay, it's not about the amount of time between relapse that makes it a recovery. It's the change of behavior that makes it recovery. Yeah. That's so, yeah. yeah. So often these, like I've heard from so many women who are like, but my husband's been in recovery for a year and it's like, okay, how often is he relapsing every week? <laughs> so he's not in recovery at all. He's a hundred percent in relapse and has not left it. Right. Like this is not, has he ever been in recovery? Um, it's hard. Right. But we, we want to, we want to hold on to this hope that they are. Um, and unless you're seeing an active change in behavior and rebuilding of trust and living differently than they were before. It's not really recovery. And I think that's hard to notice, but you can't build trust when they're still actively relapsing. Right. 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 Yeah. So you need to see some like change of behavior and, mm -hmm. and like, I like what you said about the time thing. Cause I think so often, and I know I did this too. I was like, once we hit like three months, like I just put this magic number on it. I was like, mm -hmm. we'll be okay. And I like know that he's changed. And if he can go three months and he can go, however. Right. And so that that's just stretching. Yeah. That's just stretching out the time that they can keep the lid on it. Right. Like that's, they're still in the, the, the relapse cycle. Right. It's just stretching it. Right. Instead of it being a smaller circle, it's a much bigger circle of shame and relapse. Right. Um, but in our heads, it makes sense that this is like, oh, he's doing better. Yeah. It's like, kind of. Right. You go. Really, the behaviors haven't actually changed. Right. And some of the behaviors that I just think of, and I definitely would love your input on this, is like just more honest communication, like coming to you and saying like, Hey, I had this thought today. And like, if that's something you guys have decided on, cause that might be hurtful for you to hear. But if you're okay with that of like, Hey, I had this thought today and I like chose you and chose to not do that and chose our marriage and chose myself, like not to give in to that addiction. And like, I just am being honest with you or just mm -hmm. like showing up for your marriage in different ways, like doing things. I, I saw this in Thomas and I didn't even had connected it until later of like, helping me out around the house of like showing up and serving me in different ways that I had never like really seen before. And it was like him and him, like putting his relationship with Jesus really first, like seeing right. him put the Lord first. And like, we would talk about it more. I'd like walk by the bedroom and he's like praying and I'm like, what? Like, yeah. I didn't even see this, but like he chose that first and then started mm -hmm. showing up because it's about them too. Like there it is about them, not just your parents. Like, they need totally. to it for themselves. Yes. They can work on the stuff with you. Mm -hmm. but you yeah. And if they're just doing it for you, it won't be lasting change. Um, that was actually something that I recognized with my husband. We, after, 
I forget what child it was where he had been doing better. Um, but he was like, well, I do this for you. Like he, he was upset that I wasn't more grateful. Mm. And I was like, what? you do this for me. And I was like, you should be doing this for you. Mm-hmm. Like for you walking in righteousness, for you living in relationship with God, for you turning from your sin. This right. isn't about me. I mean, yeah, this benefits me because we're in a marriage together. Right. It matters. But I was like, this isn't about me. This is about you. Yeah. And, uh, but seeing that and like actually re- realizing how shallow the changes were at the time was really eye-opening yeah. because it, it was it really was just about me mm-hmm. and then if he was mad at me guess what happens he watched work of course because it wasn't about him it was about me so as long as I keep my end of the bargain he's fine but if I don't then there's a problem and that was I mean eye-opening for him as well right yeah that's, that's where the real change like has to come is they have to make that decision in their hearts like to choose God, to choose cleanliness, to choose, like, to turn away and repent from their sin. Like they have to make that decision for themselves. And then the second is like, you know, for your marriage and to help your marriage to to serve and love your spouse, but it has to come first from them before. Cause like you said, it's just shallow. Then it's not real. It's not actual change. It's just, I want to make you happy and not hear you complain all the time or whatever. Yeah. That was a Thing as well. <laughs> yeah, and I, I say to people like, uh, sorry, uh, an apology without change is manipulation, right? Like if there isn't actually change, they're just trying to make you shut up, right? They're just tired of you bringing it up. So that's what they're doing. Um, but also I wanted to say that like that step of them being forthcoming, right? Is that he, bringing it to you and being honest with you is huge in relationship and repairing what's been broken. Because if they can come to you and be forthcoming, you don't have to dig for the information. They're giving it to you because they want to. That's a huge step forward. And it really does, it really does build trust and intimacy. And the other thing is that that seeing them pray and read their Bible is huge because they it's I think between 50 and 60% um, better of a success rate for people who pray and read their Bible multiple times a week. Mm. It increases their chance of actively like walking in recovery instead of falling back into it, which is huge. Sadly, the church often teaches men to pray more, try harder, which doesn't really work because it's more of like, it's like that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that thing where you're like, I'm not going to eat the chocolate. I'm not going to eat the chocolate. And then I definitely want the chocolate way more because it's all I can think about. And that's kind of what they teach often where it's like, don't, don't do that. Don't look at porn pray more, try harder. Like that'll make you stop. Just pray more, try harder. And it just extends the amount of time that they keep the lid on. They don't actually do the process of healing and recovery. Right. In themselves and finding like, Mm -hmm. and something that Thomas would say he would pray about, like, it's like, where's the root issue of this? Like, and in fixing that, it's like, was I, did I just feel so deeply alone? Was I like, seeing it all over the world and couldn't turn that away. And so I just would think about it 24 seven, or it made me feel better in the moment. Like what was the root thing? And he had to spend a lot of like time and prayer to figure that out. Cause it wasn't just like an obvious, like, Oh, this is, this is my root issue. It was like, no, I need to figure this out. And I know that people will say, and I do obviously agree with this. It's in scripture, but like, you know, pray in secret. Well, it wasn't like he was running around my house all the time. Like I'm praying, look at me. It was just yeah. like, I would notice it like in the mornings or like in the afternoon, I'd walk by. So it still was 
following that, like, you know, not to be boastful, but seeing mm -hmm. it though was a huge help just for me. Cause I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, I do see that you're starting some kind of change. And then yeah. one thing I wanted to, you could probably talk more about this is I saw you had talked about the 24 hour rule that you guys had set up. Can you share some more about that? Sure. Um, well, it's really hurtful when you think that your husband is in recovery and they're not right. If you think that they've been in recovery for three months and haven't looked at porn, but they just haven't been telling you, uh, that's really damaging. And they actually say that someone who has, um, repeated disclosures or like part disclosures, it's the same as emotional abuse. And I was like, well, I mean, most of porn, what, how they act, causes emotional abuse, but they say that it's the same reaction for women as being abused, which is incredible to note. Um, but we, we decided that if he relapsed, he needed to tell me within 24 hours. Um, that was for my own safety and healing and trust and for his, right. He needs to, he wants to be held accountable. That was one of the things that he was doing. A lot of the boundaries we put up were his, that he put in place, which I think is huge because if I'm doing them, I'm just trying to control. Um, but he, yeah, that was something that he thought would help. And uh, they did that within their group. They all were supposed to follow that, I think, from what I understand. Um, and I think it just helps perpetuate that trustworthiness and being forthcoming. Um, there was times where I would find out that like parts of it were maybe not included that should have been included, you know, the half true thing, but that was a big issue for us where I would learn parts, not the whole thing. So now that's where he's very intentional about being, telling the whole truth, which sometimes is like, okay, that was a lot, <laughs> right? Like thanks for all the information. I think the 24 hour thing is huge too, because it's like, I'm glad it, I like the 24 hour time because like, you also want to time it in the right space. Like you mm -hmm. want to be able to tell them when you can have a conversation, like when you're able to talk, like you don't want it to be like, okay, let's say they just got home from work and it was like the worst day in the world. And they're like already stressed, already anxious. You don't want to necessarily right then be like, oh, by the way. So just giving it some like space and time like within mm -hmm. the 24 hours I think is so helpful because then there's yeah. probably a better time for you guys to have that conversation than Definitely. like just right then and there like they mm -hmm. might have a better reaction or understanding without being like totally. bad bad time and yeah. that also prevents like the wife to always have to ask like because that's mm -hmm. so heavy and so hard I, I remember during our journey like so many times being like I want to know so bad but I just don't want to ask like I don't want to like feel like I'm harping on him all the time like did you watch did you think did you see did you whatever mm -hmm. like so having that set up in place would have been very helpful for us like I said I wish I had found you and we're going through our journey so bad uh but I'm glad I have you now but like <laughs> that would have been so helpful to have Thanks. like his him being responsible for totally to tell me instead of me yeah. having that work yeah. Well, one of the things uh, that happens that we've set up is that if he doesn't, the consequences are doubled. Mm. Right. So um, that's a helpful tool for both of us because the betrayal is much worse when they've kept it for a secret for longer. Right. Um, so for both of us, I think that's like an incentive for him to not have that happen and yeah. a safety thing for me. And I think it's important to notice that um, consequences are not about controlling their behavior. It's about helping you have space and safety for your healing. And I know we say safety and I think some people like, don't like that word because they don't necessarily feel unsafe with their spouse, but it's, it's that fear, 
right? Fear of the relapse, fear, fear of what's happening, fear of the unknown. There's so much fear that's involved that having the space to heal and the safety to do that without having to question what they're doing or what they're watching or how bad it really was yeah. is really necessary. Um, oh, that's so good. I was yeah. going to ask, I'm glad you explained the consequence thing. Cause I know that's going to be a lot of people thought is like, but how is that like controlling? And so yeah. I, I think that's huge. And um, what are some like just general types of consequences you think are helpful in this kind of situation? I know every, oh. I know every couple is different. So that definitely, yes. but, mm-hmm. and I think it definitely depends on how you feel and what you need. And I think that that's always what you need to come back to is what do I need to feel safe? What do I need to heal in this situation? What do I need? And I think that we kind of skip that sometimes. So it's important to, to put some intention and thought into thinking of an, a, a good consequence, not just like a hateful one. Um, I, I really like, it's not for punishment. It's for your safety and space to heal. So we've done, um, after a relapse, I wouldn't let him sleep in my bed. I was like, you know what? I'm, I can't sleep with you beside me. I'm going to ask that you leave. Yeah. So he went and slept on the floor upstairs, which was, he, I think he tried the couch and it was incredibly uncomfortable. And he was like, Oh, I slept. I was like, I don't really care. It doesn't matter to me. (laughs) That was your fault. Not mine. Um, right. And I'm like, well, good. I'm glad that hurt hurt worse for you. Right. Like I'm glad that you feel really terrible today because so do I, because even with you gone, I couldn't sleep. And it's hard because sometimes they're our person, right? right? They're the person we love most in the world Mm -hmm. and they've hurt us. And so it's hard because we also we're hurt and we want to pull them closer because they're somebody we find comfort in and yet we can't. And it's also feels like, it's, it's like a weird, like, I want to pull you close, but I also want to like punch you in the face. Yeah. That's right. Right. No, hopefully not, but sometimes real though. that is so real. I mm-hmm. totally know what you mean. I think that's a great suggestion is like the sleeping apart. Cause that also mm-hmm. gives you time to like feel safe in your own room again and mm-hmm. your own bed again, like in your yeah. own body again. Um, I think that is huge. And speaking of the control stuff, since we were talking about control, I, battled this so much in my head when we were going through our journey of like how do I not control or like force heat like force healing from the addiction like mm-hmm. is it controlling if I'm like okay you're off Instagram you're off this we're never gonna watch this again like how it like what is the line and it's probably like a very thin line I would assume but like what is the Definitely. line there like I because I, I would also battle like I just want to protect him I love him I don't want to like cause temptation so I'm gonna make sure we never watch anything that has a naked woman in it which we still do we that has been very helpful in our marriage Mm -hmm. but like for both of you yeah right like it feels better for you to not have to question whether he's like checking out the naked woman on the screen right right we things pop up all the time for us and my husband and my son because I think it's really important for your children to see that this is happening because we one of the things that we've taught our kids is that we're not intended to see other people being intimate We're not intended to see other people's naked bodies. That's not in like just out in the world. That shouldn't be something that happens. Um, We've talked about good pictures, bad pictures. My kids know that we're not supposed to watch someone else have sex. Like we've already had those conversations. My oldest is 10. My youngest is five. Um, And like my son, my son will cover like whatever he has, he will cover his face or look away. He's even, he grabbed my hand. We were at the hospital once and I'm pretty sure it was a prostitute walked by <laughs> and he grabbed my hand and looked at, at the floor. And I was so proud. And I was like, thank you. Cause we've talked about how 
they deserve respect, whether or not they think they deserve respect. Right. Right. We're going to give them respect. But my husband does that too. He will hide his eyes because he doesn't want to see that. And I think that that was a huge trust building thing for me. Yeah. That he did on his own. I've never said, you know, we can't watch that. We can't do this. Mm. He's always done it himself. And I think that that was huge for me because I never, I didn't put those boundaries in place because I didn't want to control him. Mm. Um, I think there's a difference between forcing someone to do something and asking them to do something. Mm. Yeah. So I, I always recommend that people look at the heart behind what they're doing. Mm. Am I trying to control out of fear or am I trying to ask for something for my own safety. Okay. Yeah. So, um, forcing him to never touch social media again, or telling him that you never want to see him do that. That's controlling, right? right? Like, but him saying, I don't want to, I don't want to use social media. I don't like what it does to me. I don't like how addictive it is. I don't like what I see on there. I'm out. Yeah. That is something that is like, really fantastic to see. And it's a great way to build trust in the relationship because he's taking ownership of that. Yeah. Um, so I think that those kinds of things where we can ask for what we need is really important. I did a whole little series about uh, consequences and boundaries, I think. Yes. Actually, I forget what I called it. Yeah. And I, I did the um, situation, um, the like controlling and response. And then the, the, oh, I did the healthy boundary, healthy reaction um, controlling and then just complacent because I think we can kind of do that where we're just numb to it. And we just, we're like, whatever, do whatever you want. Um, but I, I think people found that really helpful to see like an example of like, Hey, it really hurts me when you spend all evening when we're supposed to be together on your phone, scrolling Twitter, Mm -hmm. that hurts me. So you could just voice your feelings and how it makes you feel. That's not demanding that he stops. You can say, I'm going to ask that you stop doing that because that's an empowering thing for you to use your voice and ask for what you need. But also it gives him a healthy boundary of like, this is what I need. If you're going to continue to do this, you know, I'm going to eat alone or whatever it is, right? Like you can put up whatever consequence to his action you want that makes you feel better. Um, But you could demand that he stop Mm -hmm. or you could just ignore it. Mm -hmm. Demanding that he stop is just control it, trying to control someone else's behavior. And it's really not healthy. And it just puts us in that role of policing or mothering. And we really don't want that in our relationship. Right. I think, I think that is huge because I feel like so many like partners in this situation want, like they think that they're wanting to do it, you know, for the good reasons. But when you Mm -hmm. look at it, you're just like, oh, I'm just scared that he's going to do it again. So this Mm -hmm. will help me feel better. But if they're not making the decision, then they're not having the heart change. That's something Thomas always talked about is like, that's what changed for him was a heart change. Like he had an actual change in his heart and decided like, what do I love most? That was the thing that really helped him out specifically. Mm -hmm. It was like, I love the Lord the most. And this is not like, Mm -hmm. this is not, this is not what it looks like to love the Lord. And I Mm -hmm. also love my wife and this is not what it looks like to love my wife. And so that's where he had the heart change and being able to like, and I know that's not everybody's in that place right now. So I want to be mm-hmm. sensitive to that, but yeah. like him making those decisions to not be on it is, mm-hmm. is huge. Cause I know that Absolutely. I just wanted to be like, I want you to get off it because, or because I want to protect you, but it's actually yeah. like, no, I'm just scared. You're going to watch porn again. Totally. That's just. Yeah. It's and it's things like taking the devices out of the house when you leave. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. Or he's an adult and he has to make a choice. Mm. Um, I honestly, 
I do believe that it's better to just face it. Um, I say that all the time. I'd rather know than not know. Um, If he's not going to pick me, if he's not going to pick his relationship with God, I can't do that for him. Mm. Um, Really, truthfully, he's going to stand before judgment on his own, not with me. (laughs) So, I mean, I'm not responsible for his choices. I can't force him to do those things. He's going to have to choose on his own. So I, I think at one point I may have just given up truthfully, where I was like, I've done everything. I've literally given myself to him in any possible way. I've done everything possible for me to fix him and nothing worked. And then I gave up and was like, okay, I'm just not, I'm just, and I think at first I was like, I'm just not going to care, but I, I can't do that. I'm not that person. (laughs) I I just was like, fix it, do better. Like, and I just, I just called him to better. Mm, And, and I said like that, what are you going to change? Are you going to change this? And at one point in our relationship, I actually said, no, I'm fine without you. I don't want to be without you, but I can do this. I've done this for years. I've basically been alone in our marriage for a large stretch of time. I don't need you. So decide if you want to stay and fix it. Or let me know if we're just going to stay in this stagnant, horrible relationship for the rest of my life. I just would rather know, like, tell me what you're going to pick. And then he was like, oh, crap, I have to fix this. (laughs) He's like, I didn't, you know, because he was taking advantage of whatever he could. And he was very selfish and narcissistic and whatever. But I was also super codependent at the beginning too, where I just tried to fix it all and make him not have to face any of the consequences for his actions. And then eventually I was like, yeah, I'm out. This is. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was probably a huge wake up call. Like you said, that was like a, okay. So when you, I guess, not that you were controlling because I wasn't in it with you, but like you let go of the control part of it or the like protection and was like, you know what, this is up to you to do. Like, yeah. I'm done. I'm yeah. hands off. That's when the change really happens. I, I, think, yeah. I think that is huge to hear like that kind of perspective. Cause mm-hmm. like we often think, well, if we just like let go and, and, you know, our hands off and it'll keep happening. Well, hopefully they will have the response of like, yeah. Oh no, this is not what I want. It's like, I want better. And it's their choice. Right. Um, and that's what we want anyway. It has to be, it has to be their choice. If it's going to be lasting change, they have to make the choices. So like I said earlier, most of the boundaries in our relationship, he put there. I didn't, he doesn't use social media because he doesn't like it. That's I've never told him he can't, I don't really care. Um, I think it came down to like, you need to understand that I won't put up with this forever. Mm -hmm. I don't think I should have to like be faced with you lusting after women all the time. I, that's not the relationship that I walked into. That's not what I believe God has for me. I, I don't want to leave, but I would like, truthfully, that's what it came down to. And, um, I think it was a wake up call for both of us, but, um, it made him change his behaviors and he's like, okay, I don't want to do this and I'm going to change this. And, you know, all sorts of different things where he's like, okay, well, what matters to me? Like you said with your husband, like what actually matters? Right. Right. What is it? And so Mm -hmm. thinking of that too, like, 
with the controller hands off or whatever um, mm-hmm. approach, like what, what do you think our actual role in it is? Cause I do, I think this was huge just for my personal healing, like recognizing my role in it. Mm-hmm. And th- and mine personally was going back to trust, like, cause he had given me every reason to trust him. He had changed mm-hmm. his behavior. He had like stepped up in other areas. Like I could really see right. it. But I still was like holding on so much to it. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of realized I'm like, I am not helping this. Like I'm making it significantly worse for us Mm -hmm. because I'm just choosing to like hold on to the grudge. And so for me, like realizing my role was to actively trust him again was really huge for our healing. So what, what Mm -hmm. do you think are our like role? Cause we didn't ask for this, but we're given. And so like, what our role in this? Well, I truthfully believe that we need to actually deal with our own crap. Mm. I, I don't think it's just them who came into the relationship like this. I, I don't think it's our fault. I think they brought these things in, but I think we all bring our own things in, right? Like I had traumas that I didn't even know were traumatic. I thought my, I thought my upbringing was normal until somebody's like, that's super not okay or normal. Like that's not healthy. And I was like, Oh, I didn't know. I took a test once actually. And um, it was all these different abusive behaviors. And I was like, I have like almost all of these. Like, I was like, this is, Uh, And I was like, but these are super normal things. I actually said out loud, these are really normal things though. And then, so I made my husband take it and he's like, I've got like five. I was like, oh shoot. Okay. So then, I mean, it challenges your perspective, but I definitely brought things in where I was already codependent. I was already doing whatever I could to make him happy. I was already blaming myself for all the problems. Um, So I could blame him all I wanted, but truthfully, I brought my own things in too. So it's not all on him. The healing's not just his issue. Um, You've been betrayed. Your trust has been broken. The relationship has been damaged and you can't just leave it up to them to fix it all. I mean, obviously they need to fix their part. You can't fix that for them, but you have to fix your own part too. And um, to just sit and wallow in the fear and brokenness of it is a disservice to your own life and what God has for you. I truly think that we get stronger from what we walk through and God uses our testimony and uses what we've walked through to help other people if we let him. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think for a while, I just wanted to wallow in it too, right? Like it's when you know what it feels like in the mud, you don't really want to get up and get cleaned off and move on with the rest of your life. You're like, no, no, the mud is safe. I know what's, I don't like it, but I know what's here. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, facing my own problems really helped us move forward. Wow. I, yeah, no, that is, that is huge. And if you're like listening to this and you're in it, go back and like, listen to that again. Like knowing our role in this is huge and knowing your own stuff that you bring in. And like, yeah, I, you you just said that I'm like light bulb went off. Like I had a pastor abuse a very close friend of mine and I, so then I immediately stopped trusting men. So of course I was not trusting my husband. Like I brought that into our marriage that I didn't even like realize was a big part of it, you know? And of course I like let that go and, or I, or I let that get deep into our marriage when that wasn't his fault. So he didn't do the, right. you know, but I let that hang over us. And so that was, that was my part in it. And mm-hmm. uh, so I think just recognizing that is like, huge I think will be huge for healing and huge for just your your entire life in general like working out your own stuff Mm -hmm. and seeing how much that impacts your marriage and your life is like 
is massive. Yeah, I definitely brought in like this belief that I was never enough and was never going to be worthy of other people's love mm -hmm. that I, you know, had to work to be appreciated. I had to work for love. Um, and so I brought those things in yeah. and I mean, part of the damage that was done was that he, he was essentially telling me those same things mm -hmm. that I'm not enough, that I have to work to earn his love, that I have to, you know, try and be something different to be appreciated. All of those things I already believed about myself. So they were just reiterated. And I think if you look at your, I often tell my clients to do a trauma timeline. And I think I've told people all over my page too. Yeah. If you were to like make a timeline of your life and look at the big T traumas and the little T traumas, mm. there's a lot there, no matter who you are, no matter what you've walked through, for sure you have some kind of traumas. Yeah, yeah. For sure you're holding onto some kind of message of brokenness that you're taking into your life, that message that you're carrying around that you don't even realize you're carrying. Yeah. And I think being able to see that and see how we've allowed it to play out in our other relationships is very eye-opening. I actually overheard my husband's conversation the other day and he was telling a friend, um, you can only use that excuse once. Mm. And I was like, oh, oh that, that hit a little too hard. Yikes. I wasn't, I, know. I was like, right. Because yeah. the thing is when we know better, we can do better. So if you know what you're bringing into a relationship, if you know your part in it, now what? Right. The responsibility falls on you. Fix you in the relationship. Even if he refuses to fix himself, you are responsible for fixing you. And that's hard. Yep. And you can say all day long, I'll fix me when he fixes him. I'll fix my part when he does his. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. You are the only one in the driver's seat of your life. Mm. Yeah. No one else is going to do it for you. And we can say, well, he's driving this car and he drove us off a cliff with what he did. No, you yeah. drive you. Yeah. You make choices. There's some choices you make together. You might be driving down the same road, but seriously, you are the only one who is controlling your life. And if you're giving up control, if you're saying it's someone else's fault, then you're just sitting in the passenger seat or telling yourself that you're sitting in the passenger seat. And it really doesn't work like that. Yeah. We yeah. live in that, like, I'm a victim, right? Like living as a victim is so damaging, right? but it's also easy. Mm -hmm. It yeah. takes a lot of strength to say, you know what? I'm not a victim. I made some choices here. Right. I had my own part in it. I have my own brokenness and it's my job to fix it. Right. Oh, guys, seriously, go back and play that like over and over and over and over and over because that is huge. And I like, don't even have words to respond because of how like good that is and how much I'm just going to go and like sit on all of that. Like, you're right. Like we have to do our own work first and figure out how to do that. Like, I'm, I mean, I know there are different avenues for that, but yeah, no, that was, mm, I'm just going to sit on that for a minute and be thinking about that for the rest of the day. Like, wow. Yeah. I want to be in the driver's seat, but I'm definitely victim storying myself. And yes, those things happen to me, but like I can fix it. Like, or I can, control my part in it and yeah. work through my stuff. Um, mm -hmm. that's so good. Well, and I think we handle, we handle their issues better mm -hmm. and with less anger and bitterness and resentment when we realize that we also make choices and make mistakes and stuff. Like we handle our stuff. If we handle our stuff, we can help handle theirs or, you know, walk alongside better mm -hmm. instead of acting in that like resentment and bitterness. 
right. which is super easy to slip into when you yeah. think this happened to me, he did this to me. It's all me centric. Um, but I think if we can deal with our crap, we can help them with theirs. And yeah. uh, we want to be a helpmate, right? Like that's yeah. why we came into this. We're a helpmate. So right. take responsibility for what you can and then be a helpmate. Yeah. And speaking of like the helpmate part, like how, how can a uh, spouse like, how, or, or how can they keep lines of like communication open without the like wife feeling like, oh, I'm your accountability partner now. Like, I know that's something a lot of people struggle with is like, well, I want us to talk about it. And I'd rather know, cause like, like you said, that's where you were. That's how I was like, I'd rather know, but how do you not feel like you're like their accountability partner now? Like feel like the weight, right. cause I don't think that the spouse should have to be that. And so mm-hmm. like, how do you, how do you do that? How can you talk without feeling that weight? you need to set up where the line is um, and decide how much you actually want to know right like know yourself well enough to say you know i don't need to know that you had that thought today that's actually really hurtful mm-hmm. and i even if you didn't act on it i'm hurt right um so you can put those lines where you need them mm-hmm. set up firm boundaries for yourself first knowing what you can handle and what you can't um don't purposefully hurt yourself we all kind of can fall into that where we're like actually I did that. I hurt myself worse because I, you know, watched the videos or did whatever. Like we know many stories of those kinds of things where it's like, well, I fell into pornography because I was trying to figure out what he was watching and I just hurt myself worse. Um, cause now I'm like, well, I'm never going to be them. Yeah. So, right. yeah. Um, so if we can set up those boundaries for ourselves and saying, Hey, you know, I actually don't need to know every thought that you have. I think that that needs to be someone else. I think you need to, um, my husband's taken up journaling. He does a daily like morning gratitude and prayer where he like writes what he's thankful for to God and, and does prayer time. And then in the evening, he actually journals about his feelings from the day because he learned that he actually has no idea what feelings are and how to process them. He just never, he learned to shove them down, never express them, just swallow those you know, don't let anybody know. So he's now started doing that. And it's really great because he's encouraging our kids to do that. And which is so cool to be like watching him step into that. Um, But he journals about his feelings because I don't need to know those things. He needs to handle them. Um, So I think that that's huge. And I think asking him to set up an accountability partner with someone else who's actually actively in recovery. Here's a key. I think oftentimes our spouses set up a accountability partner who also is really still struggling. Uh, Yeah. That's not good for either of you. Right. right? Like I don't, there's uh, I think it's covenant eyes that sends like a blurred out image. That's not good for someone who's still in relapse, like, or in like just in recovery, newly in recovery. That's not helpful. Um, But somebody else, right? Find someone else that you can talk to, find someone that you can go out for coffee with and be like, this is how I struggled this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just don't, don't pull it from them. Don't ask them more than you can handle. Don't force it out of them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just know yourself and what you can handle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. but also I was going to say, there's a really fantastic tool called a crash site analysis crash. Yeah. Crash site analysis for when they do when they do relapse, they can like dig through the emotions of how they got there. Um, yeah. And it really helps to like examine the feelings and the wounds and like what brought them to that. Um, yeah. And I think, I think recognizing like we can go really clinical when we hear about all the things all the time, 
right? We kind of turn off those emotions to protect ourselves. But the thing is you can't numb one pain without numbing all of them. Yeah. So it makes it really hard if you're numbing and are just like, okay, well, I could hear that without absorbing. I'm just going to listen and try not to be hurt by it. We have a tendency to just be like, okay, but now I have a wall. So I'm just going to hold you back a little farther because that hurts me. Um, So yeah, just actually, actually say, I don't think I can hear that. Right. But we need to be more in tune with our own emotions to be able to say that kind of thing. So yeah, no, for sure. That's so good. And guys, I will link the crash site analysis um, mm-hmm. in the episode notes so you can very easily go to it. Cause I think that is a incredible tool to have. Um, okay. So last like question thought is let's say someone's listening to this and they like just got into it. Like they just found out about their spouse watching porn. Like this is brand new to them. And so what are some, like you would say first steps of like, okay, I just found this out and I now have like, no idea what to do because I just found this out. So like, what are some first steps? Ask only what you actually need to know. Mm. Don't dig so deep that you're drowning. Um, don't, don't push it further than you need at the beginning. Cause you're going to be really angry and hurt. And likely all of that will just pile up and you kind of just act out in rage. Um, and that doesn't really help often. It just perpetuates shame. And we don't really want to do that because shame feeds addiction Guilt challenges us and causes us to want to do better. Mm-hmm. Guilt is a good thing, right? Like when you feel like, oh, I've done something wrong. You notice that you've done something wrong. Right. Shame is like, I am wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm bad. I've done like, it's not, I've done something. It's I am bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when we react immediately in the issue, we tend to heap shame on top of them. And that's not helpful. Um, so take space if you need it right from the start to say that was a lot to handle. I'm going to need a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to need a couple minutes. Um, make sure you put a time frame on it. Say, I'm going to need an hour and I will come back in an hour. Mm-hmm. Right. And then if you need more time, then say, I think I'm going to need another hour, yeah. but don't just leave. I think that that can be really hurtful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we can easily slip into that, right. We want to run away from it or we, erupt in anger and rage. Um, but I think saying like, I need space to actually think this through, um, try not to just shove all of your emotions down, give your space to actually give yourself space to actually feel them. Um, most of us grew up in homes where we were told that, you know, feelings are bad or feelings should be quieted or feelings should just be stuffed down so nobody can see them. Right. Like that's a very common occurrence for people. So, I always recommend actually feeling it and naming it, um, naming what the feelings are. And if you need help, there is a uh, feelings wheel where it like names all these different feelings. I think that that can be hugely helpful for people who've never done that before. Um, Name your feelings, journal it out. Even if you have to use like a burn book, like (laughs) where you light it on fire after, journal about it, write it out as you go through it so that you can actually process better. I think so often we stuff it down and then we never actually process the hurt we just experience it and then shove it in the back recess of our brains. Um, I think it's important to actually process through, find someone that's safe to talk to. Don't feel ashamed for your husband. Don't let that back you into a corner where you're like, I can't talk to anyone about this. No one will understand. I can tell you 99% of the population will understand. And if they don't think that they're going through it, they maybe just have never asked. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've, I found that out too. And I started talking about it. I was like, oh, oh okay. This is 
seriously everyone's struggle if well yeah. or in some way shape or form like okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and even if they haven't walked through it themselves I mean uh, most of our friends can have some kind of empathy for that and just be like I'm so sad so sorry that you're walking through that mm-hmm. but find someone safe to talk to find a counselor or pastor or someone that you can talk to and be open with um I actually think that it's really important just when you come back to the conversation to say what you need moving forward because they're going to have a lot of apology for sure no matter what you caught them in or how you found out maybe even if they disclosed part of it to you you're gonna like (laughs) there's gonna need to be some consequences and you're gonna need to say what you need from them moving forward whether that's you know i need you to be in counseling Mm -hmm. every day like every week or whatever. Um, I need you to join an accountability group. I need you to join some kind of group that is going to help help you recover. Sorry, I wreck my microphone. <laughs> so if you can find and think of the things that you're going to need moving forward, whether it's specific to them getting help in recovery or specific to being like, you know what, this week, I'm going to need you to watch the kids every day when you're home because I'm going to need to leave the house because I hate you. Yeah. (laughs) Right now I kind of hate you. And I think I just need to not be near you. Yep. That's okay too. Um, Because ultimately the goal is to be able to come back to it Mm -hmm. and face it together. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think a great reminder that I say all the time is that it's not about the porn. It's not about the porn. It's not about the sex. It's about medicating a pain that they have. And if you can be understanding to that and the fact that we all bring something messy and hurt into the relationship, Mm -hmm. and if you can recognize that this is something that they're doing for dopamine, they're doing this for their brain Mm -hmm. so that they can have some kind of numb release, whatever, Mm -hmm. then you can have some more empathy for that and help them as you walk forward. Um, I think often we just get really angry and then we make things way worse. <laughs> right. I, mean, I know I have, yeah, <laughs> I, I've done that. I absolutely have a thousand percent. So, well, wow. I, my mind is just blown right now. Cause like of how good this is and how much I know that this is going to help my like community list listeners here. Like I know that we've all in some way, like we said, experienced, it was just betrayal from a different way, but mm-hmm. still like knowing, um, some ways to move forward and our role in it and how to trust again. And I could have, I feel like we could have talked for like 15 hours on this, but oh, pro- probably, I mean, like I said, I have multiple hours on right. Instagram. So if yeah. you need more, I'm there. Right. Right. So speaking of that, where can people find you? Like literally plug away. I want people to be able to follow you and get all this knowledge, like at their fingertips all the time because there's so much we didn't even cover in this. So, oh yeah, <laughs> so much more. Yeah. Um, so you can find me at Hey Evelyn James or um, HeyEvelynJames.ca. Um, I'm on Instagram and then I have my own website. Um, yeah, I'm available for coaching consults, calls, just reach out. Um, my schedule's pretty full. I do have a book. It's a novel. Everybody's always like, is it a help book? Like what kind of, it's a novel. Right. Um, it might be triggering for people as soon as Okay, well, maybe, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe you can later at a different time, whenever. Yeah, maybe, maybe when you're not ready to throw things at your spouse. That's okay. we can, yeah. But it is a it is a fun novel and it's good. Cool. But that's available at the the link in my bio. Everything is there. So yeah, well, great, guys, I'm gonna link her Instagram and her website and all that down below. So make sure you like listen, look, look at the episode notes, click on her profile and follow. Like you are going to want this information at your fingertips. You're going to want to feel less alone. And like, you're not the only one struggling with this. Cause 
I, I know that I felt so much relief just seeing the amount of people that were asking you questions, just seeing the amount of like responses that you had was so helpful for me just to be like, oh, it's not just like two people asking her questions. It's like, oh. I couldn't even, I don't even know how many thousands. There are days I can't keep up. Like yeah. it's, yeah. And, yeah. and I'll, it's funny because a lot of the questions don't even get asked in the question box. They're like, okay, it was way too big. Here's all of the questions. Yeah, here's the end of all yeah. So, um, guys, you just, you got to go follow her because her information is going to be so helpful to you in your life, in your marriage and all of it and set up a coaching call. If like, I was just coached for an hour and that was beautiful. So thank you. I can only imagine what the actual coaching is like. So Evelyn, seriously, I'm just so honored that you joined us today. Like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Doesn't even cover it. So thank you so much for being a part. You're welcome. And thank you for having me because this is wonderful. And like you said, I could talk for probably 15 more hours. So. <laughs> yes. Right. But they can find all that on your Instagram. Yeah, you for sure. I'll be there. I'll, I'll listen and watch all of it. So we can watch and listen together. Um, but say what family, thank you so much for listening to the podcast and we will talk soon. Oh.